0: Welcome to Linda's Life Lessons Podcast. This podcast got its start with the chats that I had with students in the classroom and in my office, and it has now evolved to where it's a reflection of conversations I have with any of the people in my life. Nothing is off-limit. If it's something I'm dealing with personally or people in my life are dealing with, maybe my students, maybe friends, maybe family, let's talk it through. Life can be so challenging, but talking about things with a friend can really help. So think of me as your favorite aunt or a trusted confidant, and let's talk about it. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to Linda's Life Lessons Podcast. In this episode, we chat about something you probably already know, but it's still good to have a conversation about it. How many hours of sleep do you average each night? Six? Seven? eight, nine, five. In normal times, in normal situations, I get about seven hours of sleep each night. My husband sleeps probably nine to ten hours a night now. As he's gotten older, he seems to really need or certainly enjoy more sleep, and he goes for it because he can. The need for sleep has been studied a lot. One fact is irrefutable each of us needs a minimum of seven to eight hours of sleep per night. I frequently cross paths with exhausted people. My students are often trying to function on a few hours of sleep, especially when they work late nights and have morning classes. But students aren't the only ones who have trouble getting enough sleep. Parents of littles, people working multiple jobs, people who have trouble sleeping, all are trying to function on minimal hours of sleep. Is it okay for a person to do this? Can we be effective if we are getting less than seven hours of sleep? Well, we can all get through a short stretch of time where, for some reason, we're getting less than optimal rest. But don't expect yourself to be at your best. You won't be. What you should expect is that you'll be cranky, short-tempered, and you'll have a tendency to overreact to situations would normally not get to you, and you'll probably find it a bit difficult to stay motivated. You'll also probably eat less than healthy foods, as unhealthy eating and lack of sleep tend to go hand in hand. So, now you're overtired, cranky, overreacting, and not eating well. See what they mean about not operating at peak performance levels when you're not getting enough rest? You need 7 to 8 hours minimum for optimal performance. 7 to 8 hours of sleep don't shortchange yourself. The need for sleep has been extensively studied, and very successful people have been studied to see how they are able to be so successful. And one of the biggest factors in success is adequate rest. Simply put, you need proper rest to function at your best. So what about those periods of time when we aren't able to get enough sleep? Let's be real. There are probably going to be times when you aren't Sleeping at the ideal number of hours. Are you totally screwed? Well, it's definitely not ideal, but you can get by without adequate rest. But just don't kid yourself and think that you're going to be able to perform at your best at your optimal levels. You won't. Your body isn't made for that. Your body is designed to get a minimum of seven hours of sleep. And many people actually need more. I already mentioned my husband. He seems to need more and more sleep all the time. I'd be lying if I said I always got at least seven hours of sleep. These days, I pretty much always do. When I'm on my own schedule where I don't have to get up at a specific time, I naturally awaken after sleeping for seven hours. But getting seven hours of sleep hasn't always been my reality. When my boys were little, as a reminder, I had three babies in just over three years. Sleep was precious and some nights very hard to come by because I was up multiple times with my little ones. Not gonna lie, sometimes I was downright jealous of my slumbering husband. Most of the time, I was the one on night duty because he was the one working outside the house and needed to be able to function on a higher level than I did. For about four or five years back then, I was flat out exhausted most of the time. I walked around reminding myself, nobody ever died from lack of sleep. Nobody ever died from lack of sleep. Nobody ever died from lack of sleep. sleep." They got stupid from lack of sleep, but they didn't die. I would say it over and over and over to myself. It didn't change anything, but the reminders that the lack of sleep wasn't likely to kill me were actually kind of helpful. And there is no denying, being tired made my brain foggy. I did develop the ability to stop, drop, and sleep if I was ever given the blessing of having all three asleep at the same time during the day. I found that quick 10-minute naps were very restorative for me. They weren't any replacement for getting multiple hours of uninterrupted sleep, but they helped. Here's another fact for you. If you are getting six hours of sleep, you're operating at 70% of your normal performance levels. So if you're only getting six hours of sleep, you're operating at about 70% of what you could do. You've got a 30% reduction of what you can normally do. That's crazy. Less sleep equals lower performance levels, so whatever task you're trying to accomplish, your results are going to be a good bit different from what you're normally able to do when you are well-rested. Your biggest help to getting more rest is going to be to get yourself on a regular schedule. I know I'm talking schedules again. I talk about schedules a lot, but that's because they're actually pretty helpful for most people. I've got a pretty good schedule now, and it helps me so much that the quality of my sleep is much better than it was some years back. For example, before I developed a schedule, it wasn't unusual for me to be working right up until bedtime. In recent years, that often meant I was grading papers until I quit to get ready for bed. No break. I would just stop working and go into the bathroom, wash up, brush my teeth, and head to bed. And you know what? Most of the time when I did that, I didn't sleep well. It was kind of crazy. I was exhausted from hours of teaching followed by hours of grading, and I would drop into bed. I would fall asleep super fast because I was wiped out and exhausted, but I would have these crazy-ass dreams, or I'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking about something that had happened with my students. I just didn't get good quality rest. I learned that I need to stop working a couple of hours before going to bed minimum so that I can give my mind a chance to settle down before I go to sleep these days my routine is to start my nightly wind down as I put it that's what I tell my husband I'm I'm going to start my wind down now i start that about 2 hours before I want to be asleep so if i want to be asleep by 10:30 i stop working at 8:30 this means that i quit working grading prepping whatever it is that i was working on an hour before i go to bed I stop interacting with screens. This was probably one of the hardest things for me. It was a challenge because I thought that watching TV was helping me wind down to sleep better, but that wasn't really true. So now I turn off the electronics and read, spend time with my husband, journal, all sorts of things that don't require a screen. I do some knitting, sometimes some stitching, things that settle me down, but are not electronic screens. And I sleep much, much better as a result. Another way to help yourself sleep better is to make sure you don't eat anything for three hours before you want to go to sleep. Having that break in the eating helps you sleep better and your food digest better too. It's just better health all the way around. And your waistline's probably going to thank you. So support yourself with a sleep routine. It takes a bit of doing, but you're going to function at a much higher level than when your schedule is all over the place. The trick is to figure out a schedule that works for you. Many high performers, uh, high performers are very successful people who get studied a lot because they're super successful and people want to know how they do it. So most of these high performers follow what's referred to as the 3-2-1 sleep schedule. I already talked about the food. So no food three hours before bed. That's the three. No work two hours before bed. That's the two. No screens one hour before bed. You want your room to be dark with no sound. This one's tricky for me because my husband snores loud. True story. His snoring keeps people sleeping in adjacent rooms awake. His snoring is loud. I've lost count of the number of times my father-in-law has commented that he doesn't know how in the world I'm able to sleep next to my husband because it's loud snoring. So what do I do? Recently, I purchased wireless headphones that double as a sleep mask. It's kind of a headband thing that has the, the earphones in it, and it's comfy. I plug in some meditation music that helps me screen out the snoring. It's not 100% quiet, but most of the time I sleep well, despite his snorting and snoring and being loud next to me. I get that maintaining a schedule like this can be tricky, and I even admitted that there have been times in my life when I couldn't do it. The needs of my babies were a higher priority than my getting sleep was. It was the reality of the time. Maybe you're working a job where you're working late, and then you have to be up relatively early the next day. Early for me these days is between 4.30 and 5 a.m., so my early is probably much earlier than yours is. I leave the house at 7, so I get up early enough to journal and meditate, do a quick half-hour workout, shower, eat, and get ready for work, and I'm moving pretty much that whole time. Those things are part of my morning routine because they help me stay healthy and strong. So if you're working late, say where you get home at midnight, You need time to wind down before you can fall asleep, so let's say you follow the 3-2-1 plan. You might be reading, but you're going to avoid electronics during the two hours before you go to sleep. This means you're going to sleep at 2 a.m. Ideally, you can sleep until 9 a.m. and then get your day started. If you can't, then you probably want to work in a short nap during the day so you can keep your energy up. You'll also want to make sure you get things done before you go to work, like homework if you're a student. The last thing you want to do is come home from work and then have to study. Your brain is going to be too fogged out to the extent that you'll largely be wasting your time. Build your study time into your day. We've talked about that in other episodes. Maybe you're not a student. Maybe you're working a second or third shift job. If you have a family, you'll want to sort of be on the same schedule as others in your family, which means you're going to have to adjust the times you're doing things so that you can maximize seeing your kids and your spouse. That's great because time together is so important in those relationships. That said, you'll still wanna have a sleep schedule because your family needs the well-rested version of you, not the overtired, cranky, short-tempered version of you. So today we've been talking about the importance of sleep, how to get enough sleep and getting on a sleep schedule to help support your efforts to get enough rest so you can perform at your absolute best. I hope that this conversation has been helpful. I would love it if you would share it with your friends, and it would be so great if you took a moment to subscribe to the Linda's Life Lessons podcast. It's always so great to hear from you, so jump in and write a review. Connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. As always, be sure to find your happy, love what you do, and make a difference. See you in the next episode.